The Chris Cast is recorded live in front of no audience. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Chris Cast. And what seems like it took 85 years, Paul is joining me through the Anchor app. Say hello, Paul. I had technical difficulties on my end. Hello. <laughs> like he wasn't prepared. I didn't wasn't. have an earphone in, didn't have them hooked up. I was charging my phone. Uh, Moving um, everything around. And I have to move stuff around here to deflect any kind of speaker involvement here. So, anyways, it is what it is. Yeah. Shall we get into some food items? Because I got a couple this week. Oh, sure. What, what, what do we got? First up is Thrillist.com. Reese's is putting Reese's Puffs cereal inside Reese's peanut butter cups. What? Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Tasty. And, and there goes that whistling again all of a sudden. Uh, I don't know what that is. There. So, I don't know if it was mine or yours, but it was whistling. And it's not whistling anymore. So, hopefully, it was. Now, we don't need to do whistling because that's even more annoying. <laughs> but do you eat the Reese's Puff cereal? I've never tried it, to tell you the truth. Oh, I enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah, I've, um, I like Reese's peanut butter cups. And I've I haven't tried the ones with the potato chips in them. I haven't done that yet. I I will not do that. Have you tried it? I guess not. No, I will not be trying that. I can't bring myself to do it. Uh, biting into a a Reese's peanut butter cup and then it's crunchy. Uh, but that's what's going to happen with the puff things in them, I guess. Well, see, I don't mind the crunchy. I just don't want to eat peanut butter and chocolate with a potato chip. So I, I well, imagine it would be in, you know, sweet and salty at the same time. I, I don't know. So I, I, I will try it, but I haven't tried it yet. I ain't going to be trying it. But uh, I do like the Reese's Puff or the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups with the Reese's Pieces in them. Oh, yes. I love those. I do not like the Reese's Fast Break. And I also like the Reese's Sticks. The Sticks, I like those. Uh, I've not tried those. It's it's like the cookie wafers sticks. Those are the best. I love those. I just I I enjoy Reese's. It's always been one of my favorite candy bars, and I guess you could call it a candy bar. They're cups, but whatever. Have you and, noticed about them though? If you get the king size, they used to be two hundred ten calories per serving. Now they're 190 calories per serving per two cups. They've made the cups a little smaller, but they're charging you the same amount of money. Well, I know years ago at theater, we got the king size Reese's cups, which was four in a pack. Yeah. And to keep it at a price that the theater would pay, they reduced it to three cups instead of four. Really? I do remember them being out in three packs before. Not just in the theaters, but like at the, at the convenience store, too. Well, that was why. It was because the cost went up and they had to reduce it. So 
they ended up cutting out one of the cups. Do you remember how much y'all charge for those? And that's been 20, 85 years ago. So, no, I don't remember. Uh, okay, I didn't know if you remember or not. But the next one I have does not seem like it's the best combination unless maybe you support the former guy. This is from crunchyroll.com. And I will explain after I read the headline because some I know many people, including Paul, will not understand. But energize your soul with Coca-Cola's official bleach variety. That is not like chlorine bleach. That is the anime bleach. There's an anime called Bleach. And that's what it is. But like I said, it just seems like a, a bad combination for a drink. Unless you really how support do you, How does one spell this anime bleach? Just like regular bleach. B-L-E-A-C-H. Okay, I'm going to go blank for a second. I'm going to look up what that looks like. Well, I'm going to read a little bit of the article. It says, as if we couldn't get more hyper, more hyper about the long-awaited return of Bleach, it's just been announced that the series is forming an official collaboration with Coca-Cola to release a, quote, Soul Blast action-flavored zero-sugar variety of the caffeinated drink with Ichigo on the limited edition can, which will go on sale on the same day as the new anime's premiere on October 10th. A teaser video for the latest Coca-Cola creation was released by the official Japanese Twitter account last month. It says the collaboration will also include a pop-up shop at Amos's Shinjuku store, which will sell t-shirts, badges, and keychains. With vending machines and AR game experience and a photo area also on site. Okay, I looked at that <clears throat> and it looks a little X rated. Well, it's anime, so very possible. I'm all I know about Bleach is the name of the anime. I I don't know anything about the content. I mean, she's got big honkers on her, and there's hardly anything covering them. Well, see, the pictures they're showing don't show anything. Well, I just looked up who Bleach is, and there she is. I didn't even know Bleach was a woman. <clears throat> yeah, she got big honkers, too. Now, I'm looking at the, the trailer that was released, 12 seconds, and it's spinning fire, and then the can appears, and that's about it. So, but is it is it going to be coming to the U.S. market, or is it just going to be overseas? Probably just Japanese. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking, because there was a, whenever I clicked on it, there was a lot of Japanese writing on the article. Yeah, but it is English labels on the can, so... I mean, they've got a picture of the can here. It's, it's got Japanese writing, and then it has 1010... And the little swirly dash, and then more Japanese writing, and then the Coca-Cola and Bleach logos and Soul Blast action flavored over underneath it. And the can itself says Soul Blast Limited Edition Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. And has the Coca-Cola symbol with creations below the ribbon. 
zero calorie cola action flavor. So I don't know because I do know there's a lot of Japanese people that do speak English, but as far as whether or not it's strictly for Japan, I'm not seeing. But since it's it was debuted on the Twitter or the Japanese Twitter account, I would say just Japan, but I don't know. Yeah. That just says when the Tokyo series begins, but it doesn't say if it'll be available worldwide or not. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I won't be waiting with bated breath because, like I said, I don't really know anything about the series. And I'm not a big soda fan at all, so I just won't be drinking it or worried about when it comes out. But it's just news I thought I'd pass along. There you go. So, next up is from news8000.com. KFC is bringing back KFC Twister Wraps under a different name. Beginning Monday, KFC is adding wraps to its menus at select Atlanta area restaurants for a limited time. <clears throat> Fans demanding the company bring back the items previously called KFC Twister Wraps since they were pulled from menus in 2014. The revamped revamp version, simply called Kentucky Fried Chicken Wraps, comes in three options. A classic chicken wrap, a macaroni and cheese wrap that combines a chicken tender with its popular side dish, and a wrap that combines a chicken tender with coleslaw. Each item costs $3. As of now, it's a pilot, and KFC posted a list of restaurants where the wraps are available on its website. If they prove popular with customers at those locations, the chain could roll them out nationwide in the coming months. And... There's something I wanted to read because I had an, a complaint with the way they stated it. Here it is. Earlier this year, for example, KFC tested a new type of chicken nugget and also offered a plant-based fried chicken nugget alternative for a limited time. That launch, quote, elevated the brand and boosted re- relevance, David Gibbs, CEO of KFC's parent company, Young Brands, said during a May call with analysts. I have a problem with that statement. You didn't boost re- relevance when you took away the only vegetarian item that you offer. Well, it could be, well, it's not, well, in their defense, it could be different, um, different, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, different uh, franchisees that decides to drop it. There might be other franchises out there that still has it. I don't know, the way this is written, I mean, it clearly says, earlier this year, comma, for example, comma, KFC tested a new type of chicken nugget and also offered a plant-based fried chicken nugget alternative for a limited time. Limited time, okay, I didn't hit the limited time part. Yeah, I mean, that's that says that they did not have any intention of keeping it, and like I said, that's not building relevance when you take away the only thing you're offering. And it don't sound like they offered it very long either. No, it was not. I never got around to getting there, partly because of the cost of it, but partly because I didn't go eat there. But and it was near, not one of the regular places. That KFC, uh, I guess that one that's like closest to you is kind of like there were at Lowe's Foods, isn't it? Yeah, it's across the street. Across the street there, yeah. Well, not Lowe's Foods, it's Lowe's Hardware. Lowe's Hardware, excuse me, yeah. But, 
I went through there the other day on Sunday whenever me and Dwayne got back from going to Mount Mitchell. By the way, it was so cold up there. I thought I was going to die. Um, Which is why Paul can never get the movies watched because he's always running around the country. No, it's because Paul chooses to live. Anyways, um, so I got up on top of Mount Mitchell and I bet it was 39 degrees and the wind would cut you in two. But um, I was going going by there to pick up some chicken tenders on the way home for me and my dad. And I got up to the drive-thru speaker. They said, all chicken has a 20-minute to 25-minute wait. I was like, okay, thanks. Have a good night. And I left. So, oh, well. Well, I found another article to completely change gears here. It, the contest ended today. Well, it ends today. But it was a nifty little contest, and I figured I'd share it. So maybe next year they'll do the same thing. It's from Parade on Yahoo. Tombstone is giving away free pizza to residents of Elm Street. That's the catch. You have to live on an Elm Street to qualify. But it says, oh no, it started today through Halloween. So you still have time. I, I misread it earlier. I thought it ended today. Starting today, October 3rd, and all the way through Halloween, any resident of a real-life Elm Street can enter online for their chance to win free pizza courtesy of Tombstone. There are over 5,000 Elm Streets around the country, according to Tombstone, so the competition might be tight. Make sure to get your supernatural submissions in. Uh, You just say, hey, I live on Elm Street. Mm. Well, I think you actually have to live on Elm Street. That's what I'm saying is you have, what kind of, how can you produce some I'm, kind of I'm, proof? It said enter online. I'm clicking on it to see what it brings up. Brave enough to live on an Elm Street? For some frightening fun, enter for a chance to win free Tombstone Pizza, the official pizza of Halloween. Enter here. This is the play.keeplifedelicious.com slash Tombstone Elm Street. <coughs> It does ask for your address. I bet it has some kind of way of verifying it, too. Entrance must be physically located and residing on a street called Elm Street. Void where prohibited. So you absolutely do have to live on Elm Street, which is impossible in Hickory. Yeah, because it's 21st Place, Drive Avenue, Court, Drive... Like, literally, Hickory, North Carolina does not have street names. They have street numbers. And there is literally an 11th Street Avenue Drive Northwest in Hickory. How do you have a street? You're, you're out again. But how do you have a street avenue? It's exhausting. It is exhausting. I mean, you've got LR Boulevard, you've got Tate Boulevard, you've got Center Street, and one or two other actual named roads. Now, but me everything selling, is pretty much numbers. Me doing what I've been doing there for 20 years, there are some named streets in Hickory. Um, I know that's just Shady Drive, um, but they're far in between But because I've, I've had our guys deliver to them. But, but there are some named streets. 
here and there. But that's what people don't understand when they try to give me street names. I'm like, I don't know street names. You have to give me landmarks. I grew up in Hickory for most of the time that I was growing up. And there's no street names. There's just numbers. That's when you pull out your iPhone or Google phone or whatever you got, and it'll get you there. Oh, a road atlas when I was going through Hickory. I, the, the way I learned how to drive around Hickory is whenever I worked at, here we go, just hope nobody at Century Furniture is listening to this. I used to be a plant driver for them, and I had a van. A plant, I had a van that I drove for Century Furniture as well. And I used to have to go pick up office supplies, all this other stuff, and go pick up lunch for the offices. And there would be some days where I didn't feel like doing anything. And I'd say, hey, I'm going to go such, such. I would stay gone for two hours, and I would drive around all the city streets of Hickory doing nothing. And that's how I learned how to drive around city streets of Hickory is being a driver for Century Furniture. I got to know that whole city like the back of my hand. So that's how I learned how to drive Hickory. Well, for all future employers out there, just remember Paul is a slacker and he will go on a joyride while he's working for you. <laughs> you <coughs> I'd say, if I, I mean, I was a, a plant driver. That's what I did. I, that's what I did. But moving on to the next one, it's still food related. Fingerlakes1.com says Taco Bell lets fans vote on which item to bring back, double-decker taco or enchirito. And I have the Taco Bell app, and they did send me a thing, but I didn't pay any attention to it because, one, I've never eaten either one of them, and two, I don't eat there enough to really be counted in the votes. I do still need to watch Mexican Pizza, the musical. I haven't gotten around to it. But I need to find that on TikTok, I guess. Was it TikTok or Twitter that it premiered on? I was pretty sure it's TikTok. Let's find out. But so if you're a fan of the double taco, double decker taco or the enchirito, wasn't that it? Double decker taco and the enchirito. If you're a fan of those, you can go to Taco Bell and Make your vote count. All right, Pac Man. Which Paul is wearing a Pac Man shirt. I am. Yeah. Let's see. It was on Taco Bell's TikTok account. Yeah, that's what I said, TikTok. I couldn't remember if it was TikTok or Twitter. Well, you know, that's the first thing they say is your memory that goes, so. That was COVID. Uh, Did you have any food items you wanted to discuss or no? um, No, I didn't have any. Well, then we'll move on. And since we're talking about TikTok, it kind of fits in. You remember the ice bucket challenge, don't you? Oh, hell yes. 
As well, role, they're it's good. It's, it's good. It's really, really good. This is from nowthis.com. The Ice Bucket Challenge helped fund a new FDA-approved ALS drug. Oh. The drug underwent a clinical study that was partly founded or funded by the $115 million raised for the ALS Association by the Ice Bucket Challenge. So, and it's whistling again. That's not me. It's not me because I just moved my phone and it ain't, it's getting louder. Did the bus drop below 50 miles per hour? Are we going to blow up? I hear a beep, 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 but I don't know what that's it is. Beep. Whenever you moved it, that's when it stopped. I hear it. It's real faint now, but... I don't know. It's it's the ghost. So if, if we do go up, you know this bus went under 50 miles per hour. Just, just saying. Yeah, there's all kinds of noise now. I don't know what's causing it. I don't either. Sorry to the listeners out there. But but the next story I have is not so good. It's from businessinsider.com. OPEC is mulling an oil production cut of more than 1 million barrels per day, and the move is exactly the opposite of what the U.S. wants right now. And just... A little bit of history for those who forget because they want to blame Biden for everything. Trump helped broker a deal with OPEC to where they could cut production and raise prices. And I'm getting feedback of my echo here. I don't know. Do you have the, the tablet turned up? No, I'm further. I, in fact, I've pushed the tablet away from me. I don't know what else to do. I don't know. But. I don't know why. For some reason, it's this app that we keep having trouble with, but you still sound clearer than you do anywhere else. But but back to the story. Trump absolutely did help broker a deal with OPEC to reduce oil production and charge more per barrel. Again, Trump helped broker a deal with OPEC to reduce oil production and raise prices. Not well, I, I, Trump. I don't understand why would anybody want to do that to raise the prices on oil, not unless he had something in on it as well. Because he's very big with the Saudis, remember? And oh, that's right. Their major oil production. And speaking of Trump, did you see the idiot was wanting to broker a peace deal between Russia and Ukraine. I just how felt some, I just how felt a bit of my soul exactly? dying. Uh, 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 Mr. Zelensky, uh, you need to just go ahead and hand your country over to Mr. Putin. Thank you. And that's Jamie. exactly what he'll be doing. I can't. I can't. What that means? Because. I mean, he he has no consideration for anybody but himself and for whatever reason will never fault Putin for anything, has not faulted Putin for this unjust war. 
has not faulted Putin for these war crimes that he's committing. And that's the other thing. All these war crimes are being committed and we're still not allowed to go in. And I don't understand. What is it going to take for us and England and Canada and all these other countries that support Ukraine? The UN would have to decide that they were not the United States. It's like it's time. It is absolutely time. But speaking on peace talks, this next one is from Washington Post. Peace accord in Colombia leads to discovery of new dinosaur species. I think I read that they they found a new species, and they I read the name of it, and I was like, "What? How do they come up with these names?" It's in Colombia, paleontologists wanted to return to the site where a dinosaur vertebra was found in the 1940s, but the Serrania del Perija mountains were ground zero for decades of civil war, making research off limits. Now paleontologists have returned and confirmed the vertebra belonged to a newly identified species of long-necked sauropod. They attribute the find to the nation's 2016 Peace Accord. And researchers dubbed it Parasaurus, Parahasaurus. I mean, it's after the name of the mountain, the Serrania del Perija. I guess it's Parahasaurus Lapez. It says after the mountainous region and the Spanish word for peace. So, kind of makes sense when you get the actual meaning yeah. of the. But it just shows that you never know. And I didn't pull up the article, but I did see that a cockroach believed to be extinct has made its return. That was on the news today. I was like, I didn't really want to talk about cockroaches, so I didn't pull up the article. But just a little tidbit for you. Even after they're extinct, cockroaches can't be killed. I've seen, I've read um, where, you know, up where the permafrost is, and as global warming is still continue, that the globe that the permafrost is defrosting, and they're finding prehistoric bacteria and amoebas and stuff like that are being released into the um, ecosystem. Yep. And you think this pandemic took a toll? So yeah, a pre a prehistoric critters on a microscopic level are being released into the ecosystem. Did you have any other stories before I get to the entertainment news? Because that was all I had today. Um, not that I can think of. No, no, I don't think so. Well then, moving right along. This next one is from The Hollywood Reporter. New apparent American Pie movie in the works from Universal. Definition, please, filmmaker Suhada Day. And I just don't know. I mean, I love the American Pie movies. I haven't seen all of them. I have not seen Reunion. And I have I've not seen, seen the first one. That's it. I've seen American Pie and the second one. And I loved them. And I want to see the other two. But a reboot, remake, I don't know. It's a remake? Well, they're calling it a reboot. 
but I don't know if it's an actual reboot or a remake. Because a reboot is where you come back with the original cast. A remake is where you remake the film with a new cast. Yeah. And American Reunion was supposed to be the end of the franchise. So I don't know. I saw I saw something on TikTok today where um, one of my friends sent over the the premise for that ninety show. Have you seen it? No, I don't want to. I just want to wait and be surprised. Well, I'm, I'm not trying to find out anything about the show before it airs. I know the original cast; a lot of them are coming back. That's all I need to know. Yeah, I saw along the TikTok it shows their characters and. Um, yeah, a lot of them are coming back, and there's a couple key players that's not. I know it's Eric and Donna's kids with Red and Kitty, but beyond that, I know Eric and Donna are supposed to be in it. I don't know if Fez is going to be in it, and no, I know Pike to- is not going to be in it because of his issues that he's had. So Topher, Topher Grace did uh, confirm that he is going to be in it? Yeah, I saw that he is going to be in it. I don't know how much, but he is supposed to be in it. Because what I saw on TikTok, he's kind of on the fence about it. The way I saw it, he was supposed to be in it. Now, unless I saw wrong, but... Okay. Anyways, it it looked like an interesting concept. Um, So, they were talking about how the show would be and stuff like that, and I thought, well, I'll give it a watch because I loved watching that 70s show. Oh, and I, I missed a food story earlier, so I'm going to go back real quick and, and get it. Okay. It's a new coffee mate flavor. Mm. Kahlua and cream flavored cream. Oh, yes. I still won't be drinking it because I don't drink coffee, but and it is alcohol free for anybody wondering. Is non alcoholic Kahlua and cream flavor. Boo. When's it going to be released? I'm looking. Coffee Mate Kahlua and Cream flavored creamer will be, this is from foodsided.com, will be available at retailers starting in October. A 32 fluid ounce bottle will have a suggested retail price of $4.39. Even though it says a 32-ounce bottle will have a suggested retail prices. Somebody got a little happy with their S. Anyways. That was a burp from a burp machine. <laughs> no, Paul's just disgusting over there. That's all it is. But back to the entertainment news. <coughs> Deadline has a report here. Robin Weigert, Abby McNanny, and Eric Grays join Justin Hartley in the Never Game CBS drama pilot. The other day, they announced that Mary McDonald will also be joining the cast. It's a project from director Ken Olin and 20th Television. It says, written by Ben Winters, based on Deaver's novel, and that is... Jeffrey Deaver. The Never Game follows the adventures of Coulter Shaw, played by Hartley, 
who was raised by his paranoid survivalist father to be an expert tracker and now makes his living as a, quote, rewardist, traveling America in his Airstream trailer, helping families recover their lost loved ones and their other most precious things, all while staying one step ahead of the memories that haunt him and the unanswered questions from his past. So that one I'm clearly going to need to see a trailer on before I can make up my mind. It's got a good cast. I just, it's not, the description is just not doing it for me. Yeah. And, you know, we, we discussed Coolio last week. Well, there was a report came out. This is from Variety. Coolio recorded Futurama revival cameo as Kwanzaabot weeks before death. Kwanzaabot. So we do have another performance from Coolio to look forward to. Well, it's a reprisal from Kwanzaabot was on the show before. Kwanzaabot. Yeah. Because Santa Claus was a, a robot on there. Yeah, I know, but I just Kwanzaabot hit me out of nowhere, so... And from the from the article, it says he originally pe- appeared in the season four episode "A Tale of Two Santas," and again in the season seven seven episode "The Futurama Holiday Spectacular." He also made a cameo in the Futurama film film Bender's Big Score. So, Kwanzaabot oh, coming. Hey, did they ever say what he passed away with? Because I saw the article. I have not seen it, and I'm sure the autopsy results will not be released for a while yet. Oh, yeah, I saw something about an article about it, but I didn't click on it to read it. Because if there's a a toxicology report to be done and all that, that takes time, and it hasn't been a full week. So I, I I would say another couple weeks before we know anything definite. Yeah. Next up from All Hallows Geek, something that you might be interested in here. NBC to air hour-long special celebrating Halloween ends and Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights. In celebration of the upcoming release of Halloween Ends, fans of the Halloween franchise, horror films, and Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights are invited to experience Halloween in Hollywood, an epic night celebrating all things Halloween on Saturday, October 1st at 8 p.m. on NBC. Now, yes, that's already passed. However, it's on Peacock. So you can watch the Halloween Ends special on Peacock. I wonder if that's something I should watch. And because, you know, Halloween Ends is coming up. I wonder if there'll be any kind of spoilers in it. Yeah, it's... I would say not significant spoilers because they're airing it before the movie comes out. So, and it does say at the end of this article, in addition to airing on NBC the night of October 1st, the one-hour special will also be available on Peacock beginning October 2nd. And you know what comes on Wednesday night, don't you? Wednesday night is The Evil Dead. No. Um... Season two. I'm don't I don't know. Hey, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Oh God. That is such a good show. I'm telling you, you need to watch it. Uh 
Leave your presentations at the door. Watch the show. It is so well done. I don't care. I don't like Chucky. It is completely different from the films. It's so much better. Well, you can sell it to them, but can't sell it to me. You watched the first episode. I know. You said it impressed you. It impressed me. It impressed me enough to watch the rest of them. Well, it should because it is a fantastic show. Okay, whatever. Moving on is another story I thought you might be interested in. This is from CBR.com. Harry Potter actors narrate Alan Rickman's diaries in new audio book. Harry Potter stars Alfred Enoch and Bonnie Wright are lending their voices to narrate the audiobook of the late Snape actor Alan Rickman's diaries. As reported by Rolling Stone, Alfred Enoch and Bonnie Wright narrates segments of the late Alan Rickman's book, which arrives in bookstores this fall. Enoch played Dean Thomas, Seamus Finnegan's best friend, throughout the Harry Potter film series, while Wright portrayed Ginny Weasley. Both Enoch and Wright returned for the franchise's 20th anniversary reunion in HBO Max's Return to Hogwarts. Recently, The Guardian published select excerpts from Rickman's personal diaries, including the late actor's comparison of his character Severus Snape's death scene to a Japanese epic, and how his advanced knowledge of his character's demise impacted his artistic decisions. And from what I understand, it's a pretty humorous diary. So, is it a real diary, or is it just something they depicted? Yeah, it's really his diary, but I, I think he wrote it out of fun, and it comes across. Because I saw something about the some of the passages being really hilarious, but I didn't read anything on it. So, And then finally, for my entertainment news, this is from Fox 2 Detroit. This company will pay you $1,000 to watch Disney Halloween movies. Jewelry company Shane is looking for someone to watch 10 of these films and answer questionnaires about them. In exchange, the company will pay $1,000 and provide a $50 Amazon gift card to get a Disney Plus subscription and movies that aren't on the platform. The winner can choose the 10 movies they watch from from this list. Hocus Pocus, Hocus Pocus 2, Halloween Town, Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge, Halloween Town High, Return to Halloween Town, Twitches, Twitches 2, Coco, The Nightmare Before Christmas, The Haunted Mansion does not specify, so I'm guessing it's the Eddie Murphy, Under Wraps, Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire, Frankenweenie, Edward Scissorhands, Escape to Witch Mountain, Phantom of the Megaplex, The Screen Team, Zombies, and Zombies 2. A lot of those I've already seen. And you can apply until November 1st. One person will be selected. So for those who can't handle the horror movies and check their pulse during the show, there's an alternative for you. And that's all I have in entertainment news. Did you have anything? Um... Not that I can think of. Yeah. With that, we come to the unfortunate part. I've got two passings that I wanted to talk about real quick. First up, this is from ESPN.com. 
Antonio Inoki, famed combat sports trailblazer, dies at 79. Says the cause of Inoki's death was not released, but he had fallen ill in recent years and was relegated to a wheelchair. Another part of the article reads, Inoki was the most important professional wrestler in the history of Japan, selling out countless arenas and stadiums from the 1970s and on. He was also the first Japanese wrestler to win the WWF Championship, though the reign is not currently recognized by WWE, and was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2010. On June 26, 1976, Anoki fought Muhammad Ali in perhaps the highest-profile mixed-rules bout ever. Anoki had a background in amateur wrestling and judo and trained under, coach rest, or under catch wrestler Carl Gotch, developing a methodology of fighting he called Strong Style. Ali, of course, was one of the top boxers in the world at the time and incredibly well-known globally. And there was something about his big matches that he had. I want to read some of those. Here it is. Inoki used his popularity gained from fighting Ali to become the most popular pro wrestler in the history of Japan. He founded New Japan Pro Wrestling in 1972 and was the promotion's biggest star for more than a decade having huge matches with the likes of Hulk Hogan, Dory Funk Jr., Big Van Vader, and Bruiser Brody. So, everybody in the world knows Hulk Hogan, and wrestling fans should know those other three names. But it was... um, I had no clue that he... and really hate to hear that he's passed, but at least he made it to 79. And finally, this one's from USA Today. As Paul makes all kinds of noise being disrespectful again. But from from USA Today, and I'm sorry because I do not know how to pronounce her name correctly. Sashin Littlefeather, Native American activist who declined Marlon Brando's Oscar, dies at 75. Sashin Littlefeather, the Native American actress who famously declined Marlon Brando's Best Actor Oscar in 1973, has died. She was 75. News of Littlefeather's death was shared by the official Twitter account for the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Her family confirmed in a statement to USA Today that Littlefeather died Sunday peacefully at home in Marin County, California, surrounded by loved ones. Littlefeather, who was Apache and Yaki, I'm guessing Yaki, Y-A-Q-U-I, was born Marie-Louise Cruz on November 14, 1946, in Salinas, California. The actress, a graduate of California State University in Hayward, who studied acting at the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco, appeared in films such as 1973's Counselor at Crime, 1974's The Trial of Billy Jack, and 1925's Johnny Firecloud. And... I'm trying... Here it is. Her death came weeks after she received a long overdue apology from the Academy Awards. Nearly 50 years ago, the actress and activist rejected an Oscar on behalf of the Godfather star Brando, who boycotted the ceremony to protest Hollywood's negative portrayals of Native Americans. Littlefeather delivered a speech on his behalf, which was roundly mocked and booed by many members of the audience. On September 17th, Lilyweather was honored in, quote, an evening with Sashin Littlefeather, billed as a program of, quote, conversation, reflection, healing, and celebration at the Academy Museum in Los Angeles. But Littlefeather had received a private apology from the Academy months prior in June. 
but it shouldn't have taken 48, 50 years to get yeah, that apart. That's, that's crazy. They should have... Yeah. So, my thoughts are with her family and friends and fans because I mean, she has an important role in history, no doubt about it. Yeah. And with that, we are done with the first half of the show. I chose the craft, and of course, once again, all slacking. I don't have Paramount Plus. I have the DVD. If you would have let me know, I could have gotten it to you. My DVD player, I just found out, don't work. Literally. I have a DVD-VCR combo up here. I know, it's old school. But I went to Powered Up to watch an old VHS movie. I thought I'd um, put in Hocus Pocus. Got a VHS of it. Funny power on. Funny work. Funny. So I don't even have a DVD player. Well, you know, you can go to Big Lots and Ollie's and, and Aldi and, and Walmart and places and get them yeah, for like but Why would I want a DVD player and I can stream anything mostly that I want to see? So, Because you can't stream the craft. <laughs> and you didn't watch Interview with the Vampire and you probably watched Hocus Pocus too because you were all about that. I might have watched that. <laughs> might have just slightly. 15 times. Maybe. You don't know me. Oh, I know you. But anyways, that is the end of the first half. We will be reviewing Hocus Pocus 2 at the end. We'll save that one for the last since Paul didn't watch anything else. I didn't want to watch Interview of the Vampires. Uh, I looked at it and it looked stupid. I did start. uh -uh. Oh, we're going to have words when we come back because I will talk about that. I watched it earlier today and... We will be. I will be reviewing Interview with the Vampire and The Craft. I did watch some snippets of The Craft, so I can chime in on something. And the, the one thing I always remember from The Craft, light as a feather, stiff as a board. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. You know, because there's a, actually videos of that on YouTube. Look it up. Oh, I'm sure there are. It's, it's a well-known thing, and The Craft even made it more popular. And real quick... Just a little tidbit that I wanted to mention last week and forgot when we actually reviewed Urban Legends. I told Paul about it before we started recording tonight. Something that I really did want to talk about and neglectfully did not was Urban Legends Bloody Mary. The absolute best thing about it, not that it was a bad movie, it wasn't the best, but the best part of Urban Legends Bloody Mary was the end credits song that was sung by Nikki Harris and it was called I will always be there and Nikki Harris it should be a name that is very familiar to most people because most people should be aware of Madonna and Madonna performed with Donna DeLore and Nikki Harris for years and even one of the very familiar or very popular MVMA performances you had, she did express herself. It was just her, Donnie and Nikki. Yeah. Her, Donna and Nikki. And then Vogue in 1990 at the VMAs, Donna and Nikki were in that with the dancers from blonde ambition tour. They were on the blonde ambition tour. I believe they were both in the, who's that girl tour. They were on several more tours. They did background vocals for her on her album. 
but Nikki Harris has a phenomenal voice, and that song was amazing. And I played a little snippet of it for Paul to remind him, and I think he'll even agree with me. Will you not? She's okay. She's okay. She has a beautiful voice. Admit it. I told you it was beautiful, dear God. It well, you no didn't more. tell the people out there in podcast she's, land. She's no Mariah Carey, but she is good. No, she's actually good. That's the difference. We all know that Mariah Carey's better. Uh, Mariah Carey's had more money, but there's no way she's better vocals than Nikki Harris. Anyways. But with that, we will be back with our reviews. Stay tuned, everybody. And before we get into the reviews, let's talk about the top 10 films of this past weekend. And it's it's time's almost here. Down from 9 to 10, Top Gun Maverick. 1,197,000 in its 19th weekend for over 713,400,000 total. Hey, Chris, when did it first come onto the scene? It was... 19 weeks ago, so let's see what it says if it has a release date. May 27th. Back in May. I was going to say, I think, I'm pretty sure it was June, but it's May, May at the end of May. Wow. Memorial Day weekend. Yep. It's a long run for that movie. Yep. Down from 8 to 9, DC's League of Super Pets. One and a quarter million in its 10th weekend for over 91 and a half million dollars total. Down from seven to eight, Bullet Train, which is now on digital, and I do need to watch this film. I've got to see this. 1,334,502 after nine weeks, 101,268,222 dollars. Down from four to seven, Barbarian, just under three million in its fourth weekend for over 33 million total. Debuting at number six is a movie that I don't even begin to question how to say it. Honeyin Selvin, just over four million in its opening weekend. Debuting at number five is a movie that they're claiming did not get the box office that it should have, and probably they're right, but it's comparable with everything but the number one movie. Rose opened with $4,854,125 in the fifth spot. And, of course, it is a gay romantic comedy. Tough um, still. So, yeah. it's it's only about $2 million off from what number two did. Last week's number one. But down from three to four is Avatar's re-release with just over $5 million after two weeks, almost $19 million. Down from two to three, The Woman King, with over $6.8 million in its third weekend, over $46.5 million. Man. Down from one to two, Don't Worry Darling, $6.8 million in its second weekend for over $32.3 million. And debuting at number one, and it's a horror film, which is also a boost around this time of year, Smile. Opening weekend total $22,609,925. And another thing about the box office this weekend to take into consideration was there was a hurricane going on for the East Coast. So you hit Florida, 
and lasted on Florida for several days. And then Florida had cleanup, so they're going to have to clean up rather than go to the movies. And then uh, the Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia coasts all had to worry about was it going to move in. And, of course, it kept moving up the, the eastern coast. So I think it's in New York now or just above New York. And Ian was very destructive in, in Florida. But luckily, by the time it got to us, it was just a good steady rain. Oh, shoot. It was windy. It's crap here. Uh, here, it was not that windy. That I mean, I was in a building when most of it was going on, but it was just a good, steady, soaking rain. The kind of rain that replenishes your groundwater, which is exactly what you want. Yeah, that Friday evening coming into early Saturday morning, it was, it was, it was, I had to take down all the plants and stuff like that. You know, I know it's very minor compared to what everybody did in Florida. And down on Myrtle Beach and that whole area down through there. But um, anyways, uh, I, I my heart's a rhythm. So I I lived in the Fort Myers Cape Coral area for a few years when I was a kid. Yeah, my leg is still sore. Oh, that hurts. You what? Um, from me having that infection on my leg last week for the two week week and a half, not being able to walk. My leg is still sore. Mention, can I just be a little political right now? Well, before we get to the reviews, I guess. We mentioned Florida. Did you see where all 16 House Republicans voted down the bill for the $2 billion in aid for um, for the hurricane relief victims? Did you see that? I'm not surprised. They will do anything they can do to keep from giving Biden a win even sacrifice their own state. They'll let them burn it. They'll watch it burn to the ground before they give Biden a win. Well, it's like I said, imagine if they'd have had those immigrants that could have helped work and not have spent that millions of dollars to ship them off. Just imagine what more they could have done. When I read another article today about DeSantis spending $12 million on uh, shipping those immigrants off to up north. And the article read, Florida is 47th in teachers pay. They can use that $12 million to give people raises in Florida. Oh, why do you want to educate the people of Florida? If you educate them, you Republican. 47th in teachers pay, and they can use that $12 million to give those teachers money. Oh, well. And I don't know what you've done, but you are much quieter now when you're talking. Uh, maybe it's my headset. That made it louder. But then there's the squeaking now. So that stopped it. This thing is so persnickety. Okay, go ahead. I think it's your headphone wire somehow. Because when you put it back down, your, your voice is real quiet again. But the squeaking stopped. Can you hear me good, though? I can hear you, but you're quiet. Uh, I don't know what to do. I want to plug my head, so unplug it and plug there, it back in. Then there's a squeak again. So I can't hear you at all now. Wait, wait. You, something came through after. Talk Is without it plugged in. Talk without it plugged in? Well, there you go. You're perfect right there. 
Okay, I'm not plugged in. Yeah, so stay like that, and it's it's perfect. Okay, just, I'll just not talk plugged in. I mean, it's, you can. That's what I do. Is I I have the phone sitting in front, underneath the the tablet, so that I can look at you and talk to the phone. Well, can you hear me pretty good? Yeah, I can hear you real good with that. How about down here like that? That's fine too. Okay, well I'm just going unplug. So it's louder than it was with the, the headphones plugged in. These are old headphones. I might need to get me some new ones. That's that might be what it is, but I mean you don't have to get them because this works just fine. So Okay, cool down. So anyways, back to the reviews. <laughs> yeah. Now that we've gotten all that nonsense out of the way, and everybody's it's just riveting podcast and content here. You can't like, get this anywhere else. Everybody's like, can't this Mickey Mouse operation not get off the ground? Come on now. <laughs> well, you get what you pay for. We oh. get paid nothing, they get no they pay nothing to listen to us. I get so there I get, you go. I get paid bananas. <laughs> well, you are the trained monkey. Oh, yes. oh, I'm going to get you for that. Anyways, go ahead. What are we talking I'm about? I'm disagreeing with you over here. That's it. What are we talking about? Let's let's go with this. Well, first up, let's talk about the big premiere last night that you didn't watch any of, and that is Interview with the Vampire. Executive producer credits Anne Rice and Christopher Rice, and of course. Anne Rice was creatively working on this show prior to her death. This is her vision being brought to life. And I've got to say, the first episode has me riveted. I want more. There's going to be seven episodes in the first season. There's another season was already renewed prior to this going on the air. The average tomato meter for it, 98%. Audience score is 82%. On IMDb, they're listing at 6.7 out of 10. How long was there the are, There are changes to this. How long was the app? Uh, without ads, it was an hour and 12 minutes. Damn. And part of that is credits. Part of that was there was like a five-minute behind-the-scenes kind of thing at the end of it. So the it, episode itself is probably about an hour, it, hour, five minutes. Was it like a reboot, or was it like take, it's, take, picking up it's where... It's a whole new version of it. Um, it is not the same. Like It starts out, and you think it's an ad for like something got screwed up and they put an ad at the beginning of it, but it's the interviewer that they're introducing at the beginning. And he ends up shaking as he's going to his, or putting his key in the mailbox. And they explain that later in the episode, because I did notice it at the very beginning. I was like, is he supposed to be shaking or is he not supposed to be shaking? Or is it just that he happened to be shaking? But he, he is diagnosed with Parkinson's in the episode. Okay. And and Louie mentions that, that he knows that he has Parkinson's. The interviewer has Parkinson's. And he gets from his mailbox, he gets a package. 
He's starting to open it. He gets phone calls, sets the package down, goes in, phone call comes back, and you're wondering what's going to come out of this package. Turns out it was nothing. It was he opens it up and it's cassette tapes inside. And it's the actual interviews that were done in 1973 that he never published. And so he's Louis is trying to get him to re-interview, which is where the story is what is going up from. Is it set in modern times or is it set like in the 80s? It is set in the current realm when they're doing the interview. Like when the, the interviewer gets packages out and all that. It is the modern day. But it the story for the majority of the show is Louis telling about his past in early 1900s New Orleans, which is a change from things. Like I said, there were some things changed. And the, because you remember, Louis freed the slaves and burned down the plantation. I mean, the vampire. Louis is actually a black man in this tape. And he is running basically a brothel in the red light district of New Orleans. Hmm. And he's still good at heart and he's still Louis. And, you know, looking away from the screen, like as I was going to the kitchen to get a drink or something, I'd hear his voice and he actually sounds very similar to Brad Pitt in the role. Really? Really. At least to me, he did. But real quick mention here, the... Louis is played by Jacob Anderson. The interviewer, Daniel Malloy, is played by Eric Bogosian. Lestat de Leoncourt is Sam Reed. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the original interviewer was Christian Slater, wasn't he, in the movie? Yes. Replacing River Phoenix. Yeah. Because River Phoenix was supposed to be in it and ended up passing away tragically. And and like I said, I am very intrigued with this. The story has been very good. There is no innuendo this time. It is flat out. They are lovers. And you get that as the show goes on. And I don't know how much of that they're going to expand upon. But they do end up being lovers in this first episode. Interesting. So it's 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 very different from the movie, but it's really good. Movie was kind of homoerotica. It was a lot of innuendo and stuff. Well, to me, and that's going to be one of the hard sells for the show. Is will Americans keep tuning in when it's gay vampires? But to me, the film itself, if you didn't go looking for it, you wouldn't see it. And even the first book, I've read it, and you could read between the lines to get it, but it wasn't flat out like lovers. And wasn't in your face. Right. And this one, there's you, you're left no doubt. 
I so, can hear all the hating now on TikTok, I bet. But it's, I thought the story was very strong. The subject matter really well done. There's a lot of surprises in this. I mean, there's Louis has a sister who's getting married. He's got a brother who is preaching throughout the episode. And they've got their mother. And they mentioned that their father has passed. He was a like a sugar cane lord or something. Like he that was their company. So he had like a plantation of some sort. Yeah, he they're they're well off. Yeah. And but yeah, for a first episode, I'm very pleased with it and want to see a lot more. All of the actors were really good in this. They they showed Claudia in the previews. She has not appeared in the episode yet. So still got a bit before we get Claudia. And I know I said the gay thing is going to be a hindrance to some people watching this. The other thing that's going to be hindering people watching this is the fact that Louis is black. To me, not a problem. Don't care. He was very good in the role. And like I said, this is Anne Rice's work. She was instrumental in this film, in the show. She didn't have creative control, but she had creative input. And she even mentioned publicly that she was approving of this one, whereas she had a lot of problems with the original movie. So you think we're probably going to be screaming Black Mermaid on this one as well? It's possible. But will they be able to get past the fact that he's gay to worry about the fact that he's black? Will they be able to get past the fact that he's black to even watch? Yeah. So, but I I very much recommend this show. Like I said, it's one episode, but I'm hooked. I will be watching again. It's very good. And I I don't get to watch much on AMC, so... Was that AMC? Yep. Oh. I won't be able to stream it anyways. Yeah, you will. I you have Dish Network. Huh? You have Dish Network. You go to the AMC app, sign in with Dish Network. You should be able to watch it. Oh, is that how you did it? Yep. Oh. Okay. Remind me of that. Text that to me after we get off work. After okay. we get off, work, after we get off air. But, but anyways, like I said, Highly recommend it. Sunday nights, I think it's 9 o'clock when it comes on. As I was working, I went home to watch it. But I'm very much into the show and looking forward to more. And next up was supposed to be both of us reviewing The Craft, but Paul only watched clips. Okay, in my defense, I don't have Paramount Plus, and I did not realize that until today. So I did the second best thing. I went to YouTube because most of the time somebody will put a bootleg copy of a movie up on YouTube in like 30 minute segments and it'll be mirrored in the image, but you'll still be able to watch it. So, but I did find this thing called clips. It's got its own channel on YouTube and it had 10 clips of the movie up and there's three minute segments. I did get to see those and it's very dark. 
Well, if you would like to watch the whole film, if you'd have Googled it, according to Google, watch now free Roku channel app. Well, see, I went to, um, I pulled up my uh, Apple TV. And if you put in whatever you're wanting to watch on Apple TV, it'll pull up on anything it's you got downloaded to your phone. And it'll tell you what streaming service to watch it on um, for free. But apparently I don't have the Roku app on my phone. Well, I clicked on it and it says the page you're looking for was not found. Oh. So Google... Apparently it was on there and it's not anymore. I'm searching it to see. Nothing's coming up for the craft. There's blood craft, the craftsman, five minute crafts. It seems art like craft. It seems like as old as the movie is. It seems like it'd be free to watch, but no, you got to pay three ninety nine to watch it or rent it or seven ninety nine to buy it. Uh, they don't even mention Paramount Plus on here, but it is a very good film. And we'll get into the review here in a minute, but TV Guide, 55%. Rotten Tomatoes, Tomato Meter, after 60 reviews, 57%. Audience score with over 250,000 ratings, 65%. IMDb gives it 6.4 out of 10 with over 94,000 ratings. Some, some key points. The stars, Robin Tunney, Feruza Balk, Nev Campbell, and Rachel True. Of course, prior to Scream, this is the first on-screen appearance of Nev Campbell and Skeet Ulrich together. And, of course, they're not dating on this one like they are in Scream, but they are both on screen together. Reckon Meyer was in it. Uh, Cliff DeYoung. Who else? Helen Shaver. Those are the only names that I'm really recognizing here on the, the main cast. But I want to say Feruza Balk as Nancy Downs was really well cast. Like that voice just worked so well for her character. Wasn't she the evil one with the white face? Yeah. Yeah, she she seems like she's played on something else being a bad girl for some reason. Well, she's got that good, raspy, evil-sounding voice. She just look mean. I'm pulling her up. because I know she's been in a lot of stuff. Almost it was famous her. It was Oz her. And Henry X are what she's noted for. It was Nancy and, she, Nancy and Susan fighting in this. Right? And I think yeah, Susan... That's the, that's the climax. And I think Susan got the best of her. Feruza Balk was in an episode of Masters of Horror on Showtime. She was the voice of Penny D in Only a Dream Parts 1 and 2 of Justice League Animated Series. She was Connie D'Amico in two episodes of Family Guy. She was Vicky Valancourt in The Waterboy, Paul's favorite movie. Little girls are the devil! Uh, she was in American History X, The Island of Dr. Moreau. And those are the biggest things in gas food lodging she was on. So, oh, she was in the best Christmas pageant ever. Did you ever watch that? That's probably what I saw her on because I remember. Well, that was 1983. Her. She was young in that. 
I remember seeing her in something though. Um, maybe she should go with them faces. Well, it might be the Water Boy. I I don't know if you watched it. Yeah, she was in Deuces Wild. I'm not seeing anything really big. She was on the TV series Ray Donovan, but I don't think you'd have watched that. No. She did reprise the role as Nancy Downs in The Craft Legacy. And Robin Tunney is, she's the actual star of the film. And she's one of those that I keep seeing her and stuff. And I'm like, I know her from somewhere. Where do I know her from? And I can never remember. Well, she was in The Craft. She was in Empire Records. Uh, Monster Party... Uh, the Mentalist, she was on 151 episodes. She was voice in Robot Chicken. She was in Hollywood Land, which was actually really good. I do remember her being in Prison Break, because that's where I kept seeing her, and I'm like, why do I know her? Yeah. I mean, that was 2005 and six, but I remember thinking that the whole time I was watching it. So the, the premise is these four high school girls kind of become this coven well there's nancy downs rochelle and bonnie are already going to the school sarah bailey moves there with her family and she ends up getting befriended by the three outcasts because she's an outsider now and nobody wants to befriend her because she's not popular yeah and they start practicing witchcraft, which I think the three girls already were. But Skeet Ulrich plays Chris Hooker, who went out on a date with Sarah Bailey, and she didn't want to go back to her place alone with him, so they ended the night there. He ended up going to school the next day and telling everybody that they'd slept together and that she was the worst lady he'd ever had. And so then they cast a spell, which made him fall in love with. And there, I mean, there's, that's just breaking it down to simplification, simplification, but it's a lot to it. And they really did a good job putting it together. I did read a blurb on that on those clips where this girl chimed in and she was, or she, I guess she's real witch. That's what she said she was. But she said that they had a real witch on the set helping them with some of the stuff that they were doing. So whether it's true or not, I don't know. Well, I just saw this little tidbit and I remember it from Empire Records, but did not realize it. And that's how good the wig was. Says Robin Tunney wore an Auburn wig throughout filming because she shaved her head for her role in Empire Records, which wrapped up a month before production started on this film. So that was a good wig. Now, which one was that? The the lead the lead actress. The mean one. No, the lead one. The Susan. one. Who- yeah. Susan, yeah. Well, that didn't look like no wig to me. No, it, it was a very good wig. But 
but we were That's... talking about it before we went on live um, the lodges of feather stiff as a board thing you can actually pull it up on youtube and you can see people doing that in real life that is a feather stiff as a board that is a feather stiff as a board that is a feather stiff as a board you're going to invoke it But, but people doing that um, magic trick or witchcraft or whatever it is with people. And let me tell you, the soundtrack to this movie, excellent. I absolutely love it. It's many of my songs from there are on we're my gonna, Halloween list. Are we, we going to talk about the obvious one? Well, the... And I think this film actually served as an inspiration for that series. But How Soon Is Now by Love Spit Love was used in the craft. And it became the theme song for what show, Paul? What show? Charmed. And this is obviously not... Oh, that's Craft Legacy. I'm like, I'm not recognizing any of these songs. But there was Our Lady Peace was on there. Now, I really like that show, Charmed, the original Charmed. I I, I really like it. I watch it about every day. But the, the, the list of artists on the craft soundtrack, Our Lady Peace, Sponge, Love Spit Love, Juliana Hatfield, Jewel, Elastica, Graham Reville did the instrumental pieces. Heather Nova, Letters to Cleo, Matthew Sweet, Tripping Daisy, All Too Much, and Space Hog. And if you were a fan of alternative music in the 90s like I was, you would recognize almost every single one of those artists. Well, I'm not so, an alternative fan during the 90s, so I didn't recognize any of those. Oh, I, I loved alternative music and still do and this was I put this soundtrack up there with the Lost Boys soundtrack. It really is that good to me. Thou shalt not kill. And I'm trying to see what the it released May 3rd 1996. The estimated budget was $15 million. Opening weekend $6,710,995 for a gross of 24,819,936 in US and Canada according to IMDb no additional from worldwide so I don't think they had those totals but it made its money not a lot but 9 million over budget cost did make a profit not too shabby I mean it could have been worse which one was it the Eternals Marvel's Eternals, it did yeah. make budget. Yeah, it made more than budget. Oh, did it? I know the opening weekend. I mean, usually the opening weekend, those Marvel movies hit like <clears throat> not that one. Yeah, but it was an opening weekend in a pandemic too. So true. But this film really did help push Nev Campbell to superstardom. Because when did the- Party Five start? Do you remember? Was this the catalyst to scream? 
Well, it was out before Scream, but I don't know that it was a catalyst. It might have been how she got more consideration for Scream. That's what I was kind of. That's what I was alluding to. But um, it kind of got their attention for her to you to be in Scream, and also for that guy for Billy Loomis. So, Party of Five started in 1994 and ran till 2000. And The Craft debuted in 1996. So, about two seasons of Party of Five had been on when The Craft came in. And she was not the lead actress. She was a sporting actress, but she had a very good role in this film. And... Like I said, it helped push her even further. And then, of course, Scream is what put her over the top. She was known for 35. She was known for the craft. But Scream, she became everything. And I hate that they didn't pony up more money to have her in Scream 6. And I, I also hate that she couldn't lower her standards a little bit to make the film. But I know, because... I I can see fault with both sides there. Yeah. Like, she is very key to the franchise. Yeah. And they've worked it to where it's clearly not for her, it's for other people that they're after, but it always comes back to Sydney. It's Sydney Prescott. I mean, how are they going to do Scream 6 without Sidney Prescott? Well, there will be a way, but... And I'll still watch it, but I just... I can see needing to keep the cost down on production, and I can see her side thinking she deserves yeah, more but, money for what she brings to the film. Yeah, but Courtney Cox isn't, you know, not a second key player either. No, but she's not the essential... So Nev Campbell does have that like this whole film franchise rotates around her, but it won't anymore. But not unless she's not unless they have a Scream Seven and they bring her back in Scream Seven. I don't know. So well, even then, there's a film without her in it. But look how much Halloween films they did without Laurie Strode being in it. Well, they only did one with Michael Myers, and look at how bad it was. You know what I'm saying? But then when he did, how many times did they do it without? What's your name? Yeah, but see, and, and Scream, the killer's different every movie, but the victim's the same. In yeah. Halloween, the killer's the same in every movie, but the victim's different. So, how many, I wonder how many movies did, um, what you call her play in? Um, you know, played Laurie Strode, what's her name? Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. How many Jamie? Was it like six of the films? Well, she was in one and two, H2O, Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, and she'll be in Halloween Ends. Was she in any others? Seems like she had a small role in maybe the one with Buster Rhymes with the Internet House. Yeah, pull up. Pull up um, Jimmy Lee Curtis and see how many of those Halloween films she's in. Let me get her on IMDb. See what it's got. 
go back down here. Louise. She was on NCIS. Didn't know that. It's not a good thing. She was in Halloween Resurrection. One. So let's let's just go up the list here. Halloween 1978. One. Halloween 2, 1981. Two. Uncredited voice of the telephone operator and curfew announcer, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. So we won't count that one, but she no, was in. Yeah, it's because she didn't make an appearance, but she. Well, I didn't know that. I didn't either. Uh, things you learn on IMDb, let me tell you. Moving up. Have to go slow because Halloween Resurrection was 2002 and Halloween H20 was 1998. I'd skip. That's why I need to go slow. Four. And Halloween 2018. Five. Halloween Kills 2021. Six and seven. And then Halloween Ends 2022. So she's in seven out of how many Halloweens were there? About that nine, I can tell you. Probably about nine or ten. Oh, there's more than that. Because there were six before H2O. Let's see. Halloween franchise on Wikipedia. One, two, three, four, five, six. H2O was seven. Resurrections, eight. Then you have the two Rob Zombie films, if you count them. Then there's Halloween, which would be nine. Halloween Kills would be ten. Halloween Ends would be eleven. So if you count the two Rob Zombie films, that's thirteen Halloween movies. So she's in seven out of 13 Halloween films. So it's quite possible they could bring back her character in another screen film. Yeah. And continue it. Okay. Anyways. Well, I mean, spoiler alert, she didn't die, so I don't think that's a very big spoiler because we're talking about her not being recast for Scream 6. Yeah. But anyways, there's and you know this one for talking about Halloween, it's Halloween ends and people are like, oh, it's not gonna be the last one. Well, I know the producers have said that it's there's room to go forward with another one. I think I've talked about that on the show. And you know, I had the thought, what if it's Halloween ends for Lori Strode? Not Michael Myers, but Laurie Strode. Because that's a possibility nobody's looking at. I've already thought that a long time ago. Oh. Because I follow, do you follow Jamie Lee Curtis on Twitter? No. You need to. She put up a lot of interesting stuff while filming Halloween, all the Halloweens that she's filmed. And, um, I remember the day she tweeted out, she goes, and that's a wrap. She said, I finished my, well, she put a little video saying, I just finished my part of the Halloween uh, ends. And she said, today was the last part of me filming it. She said, um, 
that's all I can say. And the film wasn't finished yet. It kept filming after that. So um, I do know it went on after that filming for another couple of weeks before they wrapped up filming. But to play devil's advocate, that doesn't mean that she dies because films are filmed out of order think, and it could have been I, I alluding, days that she could do it. I wasn't alluding to the fact that she dies. I was just alluding to the fact that she wrapped up her part filming early. I'm saying it's it's on the scheduling, so but it could be. If you want to make a little friendly wager, I'm I'm kind of expecting her to die and Michael Myers to live on, just from the fact that the producer said there's a chance to go further. Yeah, that's me. I think she's going to pass away. I think she, Michael Myers is just going to go ahead and chop her head off or something. So, anyways, and. It might be her choice to to get out too, because you know, no no offense, because it happens to all of us, but she is aging out of that role. There's only so much longer she can be in there, and she's not getting any younger, and not saying she's well, going to die tomorrow, but the same who knows be, how many more years she has. The same could be said for Bette Midler in the next movie we're getting ready to do. And we'll talk about that too, because I, I noticed. And I did notice a, a cameo on the TV that I want to talk about, too. I don't know if you saw it, but we will move on. I, again, if you get the chance to see The Craft, fantastic film, great soundtrack, really good performances from all the actresses, and Skeet Ulrich, very young. Like He really did look 18 in that, so I don't know how old he was, but. He was. He looked way younger in the craft than he did in screen. Could be the short hair too, from where he had yeah, longer hair in screen. Hair was long in screen. It wasn't long, but it was. It was more. It was, it was like. Was it? Was he had long hair in screen? I, I'm. I know he had it he on the artwork. Did he, did he have like, it? He could do like this, and it fell down each side of his head, like right here. Because I know he had it longer in, in the artwork when they did the posters and stuff. I'm trying to see. Because now I'm second guessing myself. Oh, he's got long hair. It comes down to here on him. On each side of his face. Because on the artwork, he's got it like all the way down past his ears to his shoulders and has a bit of a goatee, which he didn't have any of that in the movie. It's all posters and movie covers. Yeah, there it is. It was it was about the length of his like to the middle of his ears. That's what I said. It's, it's down on yeah. each side like this. So he could I remember maybe so, he kept doing this and it'd fall down into place. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways, screen's such a good series. Can't wait for the next one. But that brings us to the other franchise, which has been getting some pretty negative reviews that I've been seeing. So we'll say Metacritic has 56%. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, after 121 reviews on the tomato meter, is 62%. Over 2,500 audience score, 55%. And IMDb, after 18,000 reviews, 6.2 out of 10. 
Paul, it was your choice, so take it away. Where do I begin? It took 29 years to make this film. I've been waiting 29 years for this. <laughs> uh, well, it begins with our favorite witches, the Sanderson sisters. They make an appearance again in Salem, Massachusetts. What got me is they actually filmed this movie in Rhode Island. They didn't go back to uh, they didn't go back to Salem for some reason. And they end up building a whole new village instead of going back to the original village that of where Thackeray Binks and all them was. So I think that they could have saved some money by going back to Salem yeah. if they wanted to keep everything original. But uh, it's, it begins with these uh, three teenagers, well, two teenagers initially, and it's one of them's birthday. It's October 31st, and it's Halloween night, and it's a full moon. And... Um, the one of the the, the one of the guy the, the, what's the guy's name it's um he's over the bookstore now and it's the it's the sanderson gilbert. huh gilbert yeah sanderson's sister he is over the bookstore it's the sanderson sister's house now as a bookstore for witchcraft stuff and um he had fashioned him a black flame candle in which he did not know that there's a flat black flame candle until they lit it. And I don't want to talk about it too much because there's going to be lots of spoilers. But chances are everybody's already seen this film. <laughs> I honestly can't believe that Disney Plus didn't crash over the weekend from all the people trying to watch this. Because everybody I was talking to was like, I'm going home to watch Hocus Pocus. I'm watching Hocus Pocus this weekend. Blah, blah, blah. I'm watching Hocus Pocus. I'm staying home and watching Hocus Pocus. I mean, everybody I talked to was. So um, I enjoyed the film. I had a good time. It was really good seeing the Sanderson sisters back on the screen. I really wish they would have released this in the big screen because I would love to have seen this on the big screen with surround sound around me on this because the special effects on this is out of this world. And it had a cute story to it. Um, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this film. And there's a lot of Easter eggs in it, by the way. Uh, since you're mentioning the Easter eggs, the one that I noticed right off the bat is there's a shot of the TV screen. And on the TV screen is actually Hocus Pocus because it's Gary Marshall and Penny Marshall. Yeah. It showed that. And it was Mary looking through the window. There's looking for the mayor and trying to get his blood to complete the spell of the maximum magicka spell or something like that that they're not supposed to perform by the way and um they looked in the mary looked at the window like that and there they were on uh penny marshall's on the screen did you um have did you pay attention to do you remember um danny's outfit from hocus pocus which one was danny danny's the little girl is max and danny from the original Hocus Pocus. Oh, the original. little girl witch. Sort of, but not really. Her outfit is what that main witch is wearing now in Hocus Pocus 2. The one that actually well, that came, the one that turned from a raven into a witch. Huh? You, you had cut out for a second. What'd you say? The one that turned from a raven into a witch? 
Yeah. Look at their two outfits. She's wearing Tora Birch's outfit, except in a modern day version of the witch's outfit. She's wearing well, Danny's that's, outfit. That's one thing people were upset about was Thor Birch didn't come back and it was a scheduling conflict. Yeah, she had back. prior engagement. She couldn't do it. But, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say all the negative reviews that I saw on this, I don't get. <laughs> I I thought it was a fitting sequel. I mean it's it had a lot to live up to because it's a well loved film. So I thought they did a good job. I I loved the the update on the broom. Yeah. Because you know, Winifred still has the broom that she flies away on. Sarah, instead of a mop, a rag mop, she ends up with a swiffer. And Mary, instead of the vacuum cleaner, has the iRobots. She is. She got the room. See, if in the book, that's how it ends up in the book. That's how, if you read Hocus Pocus 2, that's how they got those in the book. Um, was Mary got on the Roombas and uh, and um, Sarah got the Swiffer, then she got the broom. So there's very little comparison between the book and the movie, by the way. So um, they hardly went by the book at all, and for Hocus Pocus Part Two. Um. I'm going to say a, a spoiler. You did watch through the credits, right? I did. Because that that was the only thing, the only issue I had with this whole film was the setup for a potential sequel. And well, the potential sequel is not the Sanderson sisters. Well, Bette Midler and all of them has already said we're, we're back on board. They've already said it. They said, if you want to go ahead and do another one right quick, they said, we're back on board to do it. Well, the the way it was written. It, yeah, it looks like the, it's going to be the new girls, the three girls. They, If they bring the Sanderson sisters back and have powers, then they've pretty much screwed up the whole story. Well, it's according to how they write it. You never know. Yeah, I just, I don't see it because the way this one did, it, it ends up, it's, it's the end of the Sanderson sisters. <laughs> like the black cat jumps up there on, on you know, in front of Winifred and she goes, Thackeray Binks, you mangy feline. <laughs> she, she starts with them hands come back to get some bolts to shoot down. Like, no, that's my cat, cobweb, don't do that. <laughs> and I like Okay, they get inside. They get inside the house. Okay, everyone spread out. And here goes Sarah, spread and spread and spread. <laughs> yeah, that that I did find very humorous, where she, she just, just kept stretched her arms and legs further out. Their legs kept further out. And you know, whenever they're inside Walgreens, and they're all three standing there, and she turns and looks and says. Blah, blah, blah. And she brings back her heads and smacked the shit out of Sarah. And her... <laughs> well, let's talk about that Walgreens scene, shall we? First up, 
they lose power and stay open. How does that happen? Nah, I don't know. But before that, what appears to be a manager comes across them basically rummaging through the items and opening them up and drinking and eating them and doesn't say a word about that. Think that there's children's souls in there. But why why is the manager just letting people come in and open their products and ingest them? I don't know. Is that that was that was not well thought out. And it and they also how do you say the word apparated? They apparated in this. Because remember they were going down the aisle way and then the two young witches was going to go leave Walgreens and all of a sudden Mary appeared in front of them. So she uh, apparated from that end of the store to in front of them. So that means they had the ability to like switch, go just like that. And which they didn't have that ability before in Pocus Pocus 1. So that's a new ability that they acquired. And that that doesn't bother me as bad as the the manager just not being bothered by them destroying the store. And also, what really bothered me is something bothered me. I'm sorry, I'm a detail-oriented person. I worship Pocus Pocus. I've seen the film probably well over 100 times. But I wish that it kept the graveyard scene synonymous where Billy Butcherson was buried because there's hills up behind his grave all that is hilly through there, through Hocus Pocus 1. So when they went to go dig up his body, the, what's his name? George, God, whatever it is his name. Anyways, went to go to go get Winifred's ex-lover's head. It's all flat. And there he is in the center of this flat graveyard. And that's not the way it was in Hocus Pocus 1. It's all hills around him. It was real estate developers. He was back buried next to a hill. It's, it's those evil real estate developers that Scooby and Shaggy are always catching. Yeah, probably. That's but, what it is. They've leveled then, the, the hills. And then he'd been laying inside that casket for 29 years awake. I don't know. I have a hard time with that one, too. There's, there's a lot of things that were messed up and but all in all, I really enjoyed the film. One of my, I'm a member of Hocus Pocus groups on Facebook and insider information on Hocus Pocus groups. And that's where I got all the, I got the information about Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathy Najimy was all on board to do a part three. Um, and they said that instantly as soon as they got through rapping, they said, we're ready for part three. Um, so. Um, that definitely let the door open for a part three, definitely. So, but um, it'll be uh, really neat to see um, what they do with the characters. But all in all, I really enjoyed the film. Um, is it is it going to be a classic, instant classic, a beloved film like Hocus Pocus? Probably not, but it's going to be riding on the coattails of it. Because I'm sure anytime now they're going to be showing Hocus Pocus, they're going to actually show Hocus Pocus 2 right behind it. Like on Freeform and stuff like that next year when they can actually show it. 
So well, and and also, will repeated viewings help or hurt? Because I've only watched it once, but I can see that people who don't like it because they were expecting so much more from the because of the first one. Maybe now that they've seen it, when they watch it a second time, they'll enjoy it more and more and more. Is that how you did? I watched. I watched it twice. I watched it um, Saturday when I got well Friday night when it, Friday when it came out. I came home. That's when that storm was hitting. I deliberately watched. I watched Hocus Pocus one Thursday night, and then Friday night I watched Hocus Pocus two. And then Saturday night, I watched Hocus Pocus 2 as well to watch it again. Because um, I don't know about you, but I get a lot of, I get a lot of text messages, a lot, and a lot of Facebook messages and Snapchats and stuff. So I really couldn't fully focus on Hocus Pocus 2 because I was constantly having to put a pause on screen on my iPad to respond to a minute because I didn't miss nothing. But Saturday night when I got home, I turned my iPhone off and I sat down in here and I watched it undisturbed and I really enjoyed watching it undisturbed. I wasn't really thrilled with the, the young Sanderson sister story, but that was actually cute. I, eh, but I did like the fact that that um, Tony Hale was in it. He was the pastor and the mayor. Yeah. He was on Arrested Development and he was one of the managers on Chuck and he was the one who came up with the term ass man on Chuck talking about assistant manager. And so, which Chuck is such a good show. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend But the edge. I mean, there's a lot of good things. There's, there's some bad, but overall, I, I think the negative criticism is un, unwarranted. I think it's worth watching. I think it's enjoyable. And I think if you go into it with the mindset of this is a sequel, this is not the original, it's got a lot to live up to. So here you go. Just watch it and enjoy it. Because I had already seen negative reviews on it. So I wasn't expecting a lot, but I still wanted to watch it. So I was like, well, we'll see how it does. And I ended up enjoying it quite a bit. First viewing. See, I didn't read any negative reviews. I didn't read any reviews on it. I I was bursting at the seams. Couldn't wait to get home after Friday after I got off work. So, And I had friends that was tagging me on Facebook that they were staying up till 3 o'clock in the morning to watch it when it came out. And see, I think that was part of their problem. Like, why are you going to stay up way past your regular time? But, see, they're supposed to wait and to be debut at six o'clock in the evening on that Friday evening, but Disney was afraid it was going to crash their servers. So then they backed it up to three o'clock in the morning to help soften the blow, which I think it helped out a lot. So, anyway, all in all, I enjoyed it. It's great seeing the sisters back on the screen again. They didn't miss a beat. They were, I mean, they're the Sanderson sisters. 
and let, let me just say, I can never get enough of Kathy and Jimmy, so I would like for her to have more screen time. And Bailey Butcherson looked great, too. And Doug Jones reprised the role. Yeah. Doug Jones, who was Abe Sapien and Hellboy, and the basically the creature from the Black Lagoon in the Shape of Water. Now, he had more screen time in this movie than in Hocus Pocus. Yeah. And his character was very enjoyable. Yeah. But, yeah, that's... Highly recommend it. So again, Craft, if I watched it Thursday night, I'm guessing it's still on Paramount Plus because, you know, they changed things, but I can't see them taking that movie off in October. It was also supposed to be on Epics. Um, the Interview with Vampires on AMC and AMC Plus. And the Hocus Pocus 2, of course, is on Disney Plus. Next week, we will be reviewing the Hulu version of Hellraiser, which premieres on October 7th. And I don't know how you feel about it, but Stephen King's new film is coming to Netflix on October 5th called Mr. Harrigan's Phone. Well, just text me or remind me. And also text me about signing in my Dish Network on that whatever it is app. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it after, but but Mr. Harrigan's phone, Stephen King has been pro- pushing it on Twitter, and it's Donald Sutherland, Jaden Martell, and I don't really see anybody else familiar, but I'm, I'm a fan of Donald Sutherland, and I'm a huge fan of Stephen King, so... Oh, I know I'm not watching the actual... It looks like Susan Sarandon in this clip, and I don't know if it's a different movie or not. It's on the, the previews on IMDb homepage, and I don't think this is the same film. But the clip they kept showing while I had it sitting here, it had a boy putting his ear to the ground at like a gravesite. So... Okay. Calling is what they were advertising there with Susan Sarandon in it. But uh, even the poster for Mr. Harrigan has the the boy with his head on the the gravesite. And then it's a phone like under the dirt lit up. So I, I don't know what it's about. All I know is it's a Stephen King story. Okay. And he seems to be approving of it. So, looks like that's our show for the next week. Mr. Harrigan's phone and the new Hellraiser film. Yes. And with that, I do believe we're done. Any last words? Nope. Everybody be careful, be safe, and be good. Until next week. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.